Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Marissa Leonard. She is the founder and executive director of the nonprofit Parent-Led Academy. Its mission is to equip parents to know themselves better so that they have the healthy social emotional skills to model them to their kids. Marissa was also a former adjunct professor at Arizona State University for five years. She is a former two-time Emmy Award-winning TV news anchor and reporter. Marissa followed her personal calling and homeschooled her two children for 17 years. Desiring to help parents raise their children to be responsible, make good decisions, and be kind to others, she and her husband, Bill, a former high school teacher and basketball coach for 12 years and four years at a community college, created Parents-Led Academy. Marissa and her team empowers students with social-emotional life skills, understand who they are and their purpose, gain more confidence, have healthier relationships, accomplish goals, be more empathetic, and improve their communication skills. Marissa and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and Parent-Led Academy. Good morning, Marissa. Happy summer and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Johnny. Thank you so much for inviting me to this awesome one-hour part of yours. I'm excited. Wonderful, wonderful. By the way, listeners, Marissa is one of our expert contributors who shared their knowledge in our new heart-centered and passion-driven Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones. Please check it out at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. Melissa, it's a pleasure to have you on with me. Your life's journey to entrepreneurship is a compelling and inspiring one. So let's start by getting to know you a little better by giving us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Absolutely, Johnny. You know, I am a Filipino, and you obviously don't, do not hear that in my voice, but that's because I've been in America for 50 years, and so I, <laughs> if you do the math, okay, yeah, you, you're gonna, you're gonna be able to do the math here. I came here in 1970, and I was four. <laughs> um, so four years old, uh, came with luggage in my hand, and so did my parents, and so did my brother. That's all we came mm-hmm. here with, and I still remember um, as if it was yesterday. It was on Pan Am. And the stewardess had given me, you know, my wings, and I had a little purse uh, on one shoulder, and then the other shoulder was carrying my luggage. And Mm -hmm. that's pretty much how we came to the U.S. It was during that time when uh, the U.S. government needed some more doctors. And so my uh, there was an invitation to a lot of foreign medical graduates, and my father accepted that invitation to come to this country. I think one of the questions that I asked when my parents passed away and we did their eulogy was why because they they were doing really well in the philippines um i remember as a as a kid and my brother does too we we had a driver and uh just the typical driver that would sit out on the driveway and wait 
until he had to drive you somewhere and he wore the mm-hmm. hat and the, the whole uniform get up. I had a nanny. My brother had a nanny. We had someone cook for us. We had somebody who cleaned. Um, so we were fully staffed. <laughs> and my <laughs> mother was a, um, a professor at a, a well-known university nearby. And my father mm-hmm. had a private practice um, as a doctor. So uh, to leave all that, the comforts and the luxury um, for America, where we ended up being in a cockroach-infested apartment, um, I watched myself. I had no babysitter at that age. I know CPS would have been <laughs> calling, but back in those those were the days when you went to your neighbor, and we did. Um, and I remember, I, I I know this is unbelievable for some, but mm-hmm. I, I call it the grace of God. I remember standing on a stool, a plastic stool, um, turning on the pilot light just perfectly because I had to light a match um, to get the stove working. So back in the days, um, that's how we turned on the stove. And mm-hmm. I wanted to cook um, scrambled eggs. And so imagine four years old, yeah, standing on a stool, lighting a match, and having it just perfectly um, go on the pilot light. And so I know that sounds crazy, but again, uh, it's, it's a miracle of that. Um, but it's called... <laughs> That, that I'm still here, but it's called survival, you right. know, and, and I truly believe that, um, you know, I didn't know anything different because this is just how it, how it is. And so ate that and a can of, uh, opened up a can of fruit cocktail and that was my meal. And Mr. Rogers sat and watched <laughs> Mr. Rogers all day long, along with Sesame Street, Electric Company. Um, so, yeah, that and and couldn't wait until my brother crossed the street. I I was anxious every day for him to mm-hmm. cross the street because I knew he would be the first one home. Very interesting. Sounds like the fact that you were here such an early age is much easier for you to assimilate to the American lifestyle. It was. It was definitely. I mean, I think um, being here at such a young age allowed a lot of. Um, Americans, I guess, to see me as an American because I didn't have the mm-hmm. accent. I didn't, you know, um, except other than the external appearance. Sure. And, you know, that was in the 70s when discrimination was really rampant. Um, mm-hmm. So although I faced it as a kid, um, I only faced it when I was in Chicago, ironically, mm-hmm. where, you know, actually that was probably the most diverse population that had ever lived. And yet mm-hmm. I experienced the most discrimination with, ironically, other minorities. <laughs> so, um, But other places where I lived, I actually did not. I lived in West mm-hmm. Virginia, Baltimore, Maryland, Wilmington, Delaware, um, North Dakota. Um, and in most of those places, I did not experience mm-hmm. uh, discrimination. Um, and I often wondered why, because my fellow relatives, most mm-hmm. of them did. And, you know, it was only just a couple of years ago when a fellow Filipino stood up and said, I know why. And mm-hmm. he said, it's because your father was contributing to a community. And so, therefore, uh, since he was a large contributor as a doctor, mm-hmm. in a, mm-hmm. you know, in these places, um, you probably that's probably why you didn't get discriminated against mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. People saw you as 
as your family as, as a contributor to the community. And I never, ever thought mm-hmm. of it that way, but probably. That's very, very interesting. I do want to clarify for my personal side of the equation is that contribution does not necessarily mean money. It's time, and which is actually far more valuable. It's the process of integration, and that's why I use the word assimilation, because I came to the United States four months after my 18th birthday. I landed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana to go to college and never really set foot back in Malaysia until 15 years later. So technically speaking, I was like half and half <laughs> mm-hmm. by the time I got back to Malaysia to visit my family. Having said that, I think one of the greatest misunderstandings and I say this with full respect to all immigrants, sometimes we get comfortable to whereby we live in our community and we don't venture out. So we try to create a little bubble that's good Mm -hmm. for security in some ways, for comfort. But then on the other side of the equation, why leave wherever you're at if you're trying to do that? One of the greatest advice I received was from one of my teachers back in high school told me that when you get to the United States and you decide to hang out with the Malaysians or in Chinatown and so forth, don't go. Everything you want to learn will eventually trickle down to Malaysia. When you get to the United States, what you need to do, remember that all cultures have the good, bad, and the ugly. Your goal is to combine the best of the best and create a third culture, and that's how you succeed. And I thought it was really interesting what he said. Johnny, that is powerful, mm-hmm. what you just said, because it's actually a good transition into why I am so passionate about social-emotional learning mm-hmm. um, and having social-emotional skills that are healthy. And it's exactly that, because I felt that even though um, I assimilated to the U.S. culture uh, probably easier because I was so young, I still struggled, especially in my adult years, of being able to combine my background as a Filipino Mm. and my culture along with um, being an American. And I actually, and again, I didn't realize this until I was much later in my 40s, (laughs) but how that every year that I was alive, Mm -hmm. I struggled to get the two cultures to come together mm-hmm. because they were so different. My culture is saying, no, you're, you're female, so you should be quiet and um, don't speak unless you need to, mm-hmm. but you listen. You listen. You are the, you know, you become the world's greatest I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that I, on the other hand, I grew up in the U.S where they mm-hmm. tell you, speak up, you have a voice, and you need to be heard. You know, it's, and right. that's what I learned. And so do you see the conflict? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so as a child, you know, of course, you're, you're processing this, but you're really not because you don't know right. how. All you know is how to survive, mm-hmm. how, to, how to make it work. And so, um, Johnny... I was fired three times in television, three wow. times. And I don't believe it was because of my inability mm-hmm. to be a broadcaster um, or to communicate. It was because I didn't have the um, assertiveness 
the mm-hmm. boldness, mm-hmm. the doggy dog step all over you. This is my <laughs> story. I truly believe it was that. But they couldn't yeah. say that. Right, you know, right. they they couldn't say that. Um, that would be discrimination. <laughs> but uh, I but I realized much later in life that was it. That was it. And yeah. so and realizing, you know, I'm probably not cut out for um, to make it in the networks because I uh, <laughs> my biggest goal was to make it to the networks. But I did. I knew in in there was that little still small voice that said, hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, as much as you think you can, but I didn't have those social emotional skills. Mm-hmm. They weren't advanced enough. Um, well, it depends who you ask, right? Right, right. So because I was well, um, oh goodness, I was well taught in both, you know, from my mm-hmm. parents who mm-hmm. were very educated, as well as right. you know my my U.S. culture. So and, and the right. voices and. The, media and so anyway so that's what leads us to today fantastic having said the fact that you were having issues in the television industry you did win two emmy so that speaks for itself <laughs> well thank you johnny because i forgot that <laughs> um, I, was look- I was so busy looking at what i didn't have right which right. was the you know the gumption and and those skills that Mm-hmm. the that that the American culture said you needed to have in order to make sure. it in this industry, which I believe is true um mm-hmm. and you know everybody knows that um but but yes, I think those two regional Emmys are um the validate that you know i i yeah I'm in probably in the right industry um in terms <laughs> of my ability to communicate and tell a story well. And that's mm-hmm. what that those awards were for, um, mm-hmm. your communication and your ability to tell a story, and which I did. Um, and so, yeah, that's the irony of it all. Fantastic. Why did you decide to get an MBA? You know, it, that's a simple answer. Uh, so the company I was working for, which was Meredith Corporation, which owns like Better Homes and Gardens and a whole onslaught of media, um, mm-hmm. They were so generous during the time that I was working there, and they paid for most uh, 80% of um, continuing education. So I thought, mm-hmm. wow, I was single. Why not? And so that mm-hmm. was when MBAs were super duper in right. demand. And so, um, and and if I can be honest, I should not have gotten an MBA. I should have gotten something regarding counseling or psychology mm-hmm. because I realized that's really what I wanted to learn more about is how the brain works. Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, what is this thing called emotions? So I would have loved to have studied that more, but at the time, you know, I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. I just went with the trend and uh, got my MBA. And um, and again, why it's so important to really know who you are and to spend your lifetime knowing who mm-hmm. you are because it might take that. So true. Very, very true. What was the pivotal moment that led you to homeschool your children? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. you know, um, I don't even have my Emmys up, actually. I gave them away. Um, mm-hmm. So because I, it, it was, for me, the greatest accomplishment 
um, although the world will say that, right, that they would point mm-hmm, to that mm-hmm. specifically. But for me, it was definitely homeschooling my children, my two children. Imagine having the responsibility of having your children 24-7, <laughs> number one. <laughs> um, yes, that would drive anyone crazy um, for sure. But number two, the education of your children huge responsibility. So it wasn't because I was just this amazing mom that wanted to do this. No, not at all. In fact, um, people who know me well said, I cannot believe you are homeschooling. That is so not you. Because um, I was a career gal. And that's exactly what I wanted to mm-hmm. do was go back into the workplace after I had my children. But here's what happened. Um, one of the journeys that I, where I, my first journey I was mm-hmm. doing a documentary that actually won uh, an Emmy was in Africa. And so, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I, I suffered a miscarriage and then I suffered another one and then I suffered another one. So there were three miscarriages total. One of them was in Africa. Um, and so that it itself is a, a story that I wrote about. But after the three, I really sat myself down and said, mm-hmm. okay, what's it going to be? Because I realized um, the industry that I was in, it requires yeah. you to yeah, sell your soul, basically. And if you aren't ready to sell that, um, then there's another person in line waiting uh, in the wings. So you mm-hmm. were easily re- replaceable. And so I knew I had to give that uh, 150% in order to really um, do well in the business. And then I just said, you know, no, it's it's not worth it. Um, and then also I found my faith in television news, if I can be honest. There was a gentleman who um, it felt like every time you were together in the news truck, it was like mm-hmm. a confessional. You know? <laughs> um, his name was Ruben, but I went, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. I mean, there was something <laughs> about him that just made me empty my soul and I mm-hmm. know, and I know what it was because he was trusted. I, I trusted mm-hmm. him, and he allowed me a safe place where I would not be judged if mm-hmm. I, you know, shared all my yuck. And it was yuck. Um, and so, but he just listened. Never once did he say, "Oh, you must do this or you must do that." And so, anyway, after two years of that, I found real faith. Um, and uh, which I felt it was. I mean, I was a churchgoer, but mm-hmm. because you go to church doesn't mean you. you <laughs> um, so, and I didn't know that. Um, and um, but I found a real faith, and that was the relationship uh, with my Lord. So mm-hmm. um, that the relationship part was the missing part. Um, and once I found that, of course, my mindset started to change to what was really important. And I will say, I will give all the credit to my newfound faith that helped me to realize, you know, when all is said and done, what is the most important? And to me, it's having that legacy of, um, well, first of all, um, if God gives you the the gift of being able to have children, um, then the next gift is being able to raise them and raise them well. Raise them well. Because that's the legacy I leave behind. So when I'm gone, hopefully my children will be such an incredible contribution to society that um, all is well. So true. Very, very true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast. 
available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Marissa Leonard. She is the founder and executive director of the nonprofit Parent Lad Academy. Its mission is to equip parents to know themselves better so they have the healthy social emotional skills to model them to their kids. She is also one of our expert contributors who shared their knowledge in our new heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones. Please check it out at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. Marissa and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and Parentland Academy. Marissa, is homeschooling for everyone? Uh, and this is strictly an opinion <laughs> because if you ask a lot of homeschoolers, you'll get a variety yeah. of answers. Um, but for me, no. <laughs> and I yeah. think a lot of homeschoolers are probably listening and saying, whoa, wait a minute, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I really don't um, because um, I don't want to make it feel like that's the only option. There's so many incredible options right now. Um, mm-hmm. Even, you know, um, I, and I stopped homeschooling uh, several years ago because both my kids are now single uh, young adults, 22 mm-hmm. and 24. But um, so many options that can look like homeschooling, by the way. So especially with the pandemic, oh, my goodness. Um, right. I know, like, even in Arizona, there have been over 35,000 students who are not returning um, to school. And so I'm just going to assume that they're probably going to be homeschooled, but not in the way that maybe when I did it, because there are so many resources. And so, no, I don't think homeschooling is for everyone, but can't, do I believe that everybody can homeschool? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that makes sense. So it's a, um, it, it's a yes because of the resources, the multitude, the various, and most of them are free. Come on, right, guys, right. they're free. So it's, so here's the thing, Johnny. If mm-hmm. parents have this just instinct, like this is not working. My child hates school, literally hates it, does not want to go to school <laughs> for whatever reason. Okay, we don't even have to go into the reasons, but right, it, right. it's like um, it's like World War II all over every single day. Uh, you, you try to get them out that door. Please, please um, <laughs> consider another option because, the, you know, and, and don't even call it homeschooling because that probably freaks a lot of people out. But, right. just you know, there's online school and there's, there's just other options. Actually, just too many to, to mention here. Just mm-hmm. um, email me, mom, at parentledacademy.org, and I will let <laughs> you know what those options are. Um, again, mom at parentledacademy.org. Um, yeah, just know that you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, there are options, and don't put trauma day in and day out. Don't um, traumatize your child. <laughs> um, listen to him or her and find out what's going on that makes them not want to go to school. Um, because you know what? Chances are they're probably not learning yeah. because they, they don't want to go. So what's the point? right, of just forcing them to go to school. So mm-hmm. um, so many reasons, different reasons right now. We've got to pay attention to our children. Mm-hmm. So true. Can you give us some of the pluses and minuses of homeschooling? 
Absolutely. Um, I'm going to start with the minuses, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And these are very selfish, uh, but they're real. And that is uh, my time as a mom. <laughs> right, right, so, uh, this right. Is probably why a lot of moms won't. Um, so if you're really into um, something else, like your career or just something else other than your children, um, it's okay. You know, it, it's all right. And we can admit that. It, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt the same way, if I can be honest. I mean, it was only God just constantly, like constantly, <laughs> um, talking, you know, pricking me and then bringing people my way, which every mm-hmm. single mom seemed to be homeschooling, you know. I mean, you know right. the signs that God gives you. Um, <laughs> so so if, you're in, if you're like, oh, my gosh, I cannot stay. Possib- uh, you know, I would tell my children and, and – um, I hope that's just a metaphor, <laughs> but, but, but then don't, you know, it's just okay. Um, so homeschooling probably isn't for you because you're not going to have that time for yourself. You're really not. Um, um, so let me say the positive of that. So mm-hmm. for me, it forced me to really care about them. So here I was a career gal, um, all about my career, doing pretty well, um, and then all of a sudden I'm home with the children. And I, I actually thank God for the um, for that change in my heart to really mm-hmm. want to be home. So, yes, I had to learn how to cook, to learn how to clean. I learned how to organize my, my time because, you know, I, I could do it at work, but now at home where I'm handling everything, you know, children, shopping, groceries. I mean, you name it. It was it was on me. So. Came, gosh, I became this kind of weird Martha Stewart who started really <laughs> enjoying um, what was because I realized Johnny as I was learning how to become mm-hmm. this mom that my parents obviously I mean I hate to say yeah. that um, with the, out of respect for my parents you know they're trying to survive as immigrants right. in this country but um and and you know telling you my story of how i cared for myself <laughs> you could see how i lacked in these skills and yeah, so i yeah. i was forced to learn them and i but i was willing to i think that there was a point where i was i pivoted and said okay mm-hmm. i'm all in i i mm-hmm. i want to be this mom because this kind of mom or parent because i started noticing changes in my kids that was the proof that's what made me go okay this is working. And you know what that's called? Time. I mm-hmm. had time with them because they were with me all day. So, yes, it was hard. But, man, the time I had, I had influence. Mm-hmm. I had influence on them. So um, so if you want influence on your child, this would be a perfect way to do that. No, oh, that's true. Very, very true. However, from the outside, we all live in a closed system. You cannot create order without creating disorder somewhere, right? So how are the minuses addressed to ensure that the children are not deprived, they're growing up social experiences? Yes. No, absolutely. That That is actually the number one question I get <laughs> asked. Um, so let me ask, tell you this, not that because there are some bad examples. Yes, and that's mm-hmm. why that question keeps coming up. But remember, um, homeschooling back in the day, you know, it was started by really pioneers. Guess mm-hmm. where they lived? 
in the middle of nowhere, um, right. you know, farm country. And so there wasn't a lot of social uh, engagement. And so, um, but now, I mean, homeschooling is everywhere, you know, right. it is everywhere. So my kids, we lived in, you know, we live in a suburb of a major city. So, um, and then you have to look at the parents, you know, that, that, adage that says, you know, the mm-hmm. apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Um, right. Me and my husband were social people, though our kids were social. Um, my kids, actually, the greatest compliment they will tell you was, um, and it, they got it over and over, especially when they went to college, was, mm-hmm. you were homeschooled? You don't seem like a homeschooler. <laughs> so, right, um, right, right. And they knew mm-hmm. exactly what that meant. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. they, they were socially acceptable they had social skills and so mm-hmm. um you know we it, so yeah that's probably a myth but i see where that myth came from and where it originated mm-hmm. but no longer the case um so again not um but i'm still but i'm also saying um it could still be but again you got to look at the parents mm-hmm. it's always mm-hmm. the parents <laughs> i understand <laughs> is that where parent-led academy comes in into the equation yeah, it really is. They are the most, parents are the most influential people in a child's life. Mm-hmm. They really are, whether you like it or not. Um, and so this is how we need to look at it. We only have 940 Saturdays, Johnny, with our child from <laughs> zero to 18, 940. And, you know, 260 are gone by age five. Mm-hmm. So not a lot of Saturdays, although it feels like, oh, my gosh. Um, so we have to remember that time is fleeting. And um, if we want to be the main influence, we've got to use that time, especially before age 10. Um, mm-hmm. There is a study that shows by age 10, they would have learned everything they needed to learn. I mean, in the, in the sense of uh, anything that's most important to you. Please mm-hmm. teach them before age 10. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the easiest time to teach them. Uh, they're mm-hmm. most moldable, um, but they learn it by age 10. Mm-hmm. So um, most important is the early years. Uh, obviously, you could still teach them after age. And I'd right. rather, you know, I, I like easy. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so if you're going to even homeschool, I would say start with the early years. It's going to be a lot easier than if you started when they were teenagers. But if you mm-hmm. have to do it when they're teenagers, totally doable, especially with the resources you have. So true. How did your personal life experiences contribute to, to the overall concept of Parent-Led Academy? Yeah. Um, great question. And I would have to say everything. Um, it has everything to do with why I started Parent-Led because, um, because of my lack of, of the relationship with my parents. I mean, I did not have one. Yeah. Um, and so, actually, um, I just found it yesterday. And uh, this article that I wrote about my, my father um, mm-hmm. passing away. Um, and I how, actually, if you don't mind. Um, no, go ahead. Yeah. Um, actually, I, will, I, I didn't plan on doing this, so I'm going to have to call it up. But it was, gosh, um, it was that. You know, I think, Johnny, probably be the same with you. When we want to make a difference in the world, it's usually a topic that is so near and dear to us and probably something that we didn't get. 
mm-hmm. and we wanted more of, right? I mean, that's, that's why we have causes. You know, there was an experience uh, typically in our childhood that led us to be so passionate about a topic. You know, so if you're doing uh, sex trafficking, you know, chances mm-hmm. are high that there was something mm-hmm. in your life that led you to um, be so passionate about that. So for me, it was, it was, it's, it's nothing, um, you know, it, it's not a New York Times bestseller, but it's just mm-hmm. simply, I wish I would have had a relationship with my parents more. Mm-hmm. I wish that I knew them more so that in the, uh, during the eulogy, I could have said more, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I, me and my brother basically said what we thought. You know, um, and, mm-hmm. and, and it was interesting because we thought differently, you know, like right. we remember a vacation, but I looked at it as, oh, that was the worst. And he was like, oh, that was so much fun, you know, but I went through <laughs> counseling because I had to get it 10 years mm-hmm. into my marriage that, you know, it's not about who was right or wrong. Um, mm-hmm. It's just you own it. You own my experience um, and then he owns his. And it's not about comparing and saying, no, I was right, you were wrong. It's just how I perceived it. And unfortunately, I had more negative than my brother, um, although he had a lot of negative that I think um, came out in the form of his lack of social-emotional skills, like a lot of lack, mm-hmm. whereas mine was I was lacking, but um, maybe because I was in television, it forced mm-hmm. me to adapt, right. but not really learn, right? It was just adaption. Mm-hmm. Uh, I adapted because I needed to survive. But those three firings were a clue that something was something was wrong. But, you know, and Shani's like, gosh, why didn't I know this when I was, <laughs> um, you know, when I was fired <laughs> versus, you know, now. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. Um, now I know. And, and, and it's a constant learning of what skills you lack. So can I give you an example? Like if you are angry all the time, like all the time, and you'll know, uh, just look at your, how they look at you. You know, is it with fear? Is it with mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, sadness? Is, um, and if you want less of that, then we got to just stop and say, okay, what was that all about? Did I, did I yell at Tommy because I was, he truly spilled his uh, – you know, cereal on the floor and I have to pick it up. Was it really about that? Or was it about, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I have negative $5 in my checking account and I was really PO'd um, for several days because I don't mm-hmm. know how to get more money. I mean, do you see? And so, but it comes out as, you know, in the form of anger and maybe striking mm-hmm. Johnny or, and, and not you. <laughs> I don't know why you Johnny. Um, <laughs> I could use another name. Um, Paul. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Anyway. um, So imagine if we were healthy, like we had those healthy skills of just stopping, pausing and reflecting and then figuring out, okay, this is not good. And and what am I going to do differently next time? It's Mm -hmm. just really so simple, Johnny, you know, and that's, that's what we're equipping parents. Um, Mm -hmm. There's no, it's not curriculum. It's nothing hard. It's not, you know, taking notes, being able to live freely and freedom every single day. So you can live a more fulfilling life. Because mm-hmm. the the longer we carry these these lack of skills, social emotional skills, then um 
there's less of that fulfilling life. But if we have those skills, my goodness, life just becomes more. There are perspective changes. There are mindset changes. Life is more fulfilling. We are more grateful, thankful mm-hmm. for what we have because mm-hmm. we've changed our mind. Well, that's true. You mentioned something very critical just now in terms of, for lack of a better term here, from the age of one till 10, the children are basically mirroring the parents. So if the parents is simply not aware of their action because they're not living in the present moment, so to speak, and the funny thing about life is that the older we get, the less we live in the present moment. Mm -hmm. But the children are always in the present moment. So when you talk about critical thinking, that mirroring effect can be devastating in some ways. Absolutely, Johnny. We are modeling to our children what's good and bad. We are models. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're looking right. at us yeah. and they're basically models. So it's funny when, I, but I have to be really gentle about that because, right. you know, right. we get a lot of parents who are like struggling with really hardcore sure, stuff. Sure, sure, but sure. But I, I often ask, we start with the question of, so give me a, what, uh, what a typical day looks like in your household. You know, so I can get a feeling of where this parent, um, wh- what this parent is doing <laughs> to model mm-hmm. that because it's, it's mm-hmm. modeled. Um, I know, and that's a hard truth. It really is. And that's why it's even more important that we're being so intentional um, with modeling good behavior in front right. of our kids, not negative, because we want the good, right? But sometimes we don't even, it's so subconscious. But that's mm-hmm. where we're equipping parents is to be conscious, to be intentional, to know every moment that you have, not only with your kids, but with your spouse or your friends, that it's intentional. Like I am intentionally going to, number one, maybe listen. Number two, not be judgmental. I mean, it could be even mm-hmm. something that simple. So absolutely, Johnny, you, you're right. We're modeling it. Right. So these are the things that sometimes we all don't realize. I guess in some ways, as adults, even at work, because I speak a lot from a business perspective and corporate perspective, but it's the same thing. What are some of the common areas of challenges children are facing? Oh, my goodness. I think it, that's an easy one, technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's an easy one for me to uh, mention, but the effects are so far-reaching, and it's not going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our phones. It's our phones. Um, so uh, uh, we could talk, again, a whole topic on uh, technology and the dangers of technology, but parents just know this. Please, 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 please I'm just going to simplify it to uh, 15 seconds. Create boundaries around technology, mm-hmm. not only for your child, but for you. Okay, so it could be something simple as every single time that I'm speaking to my child, I am not going to look at my phone. Mm -hmm. Because what you're doing is you're saying, hey, you're important. You're having the eye contact. You're really, truly listening and being present. Put away the phone. I say during meals, if people are even eating together anymore you know that's right here's that this is a sad reality but during mealtime create boundaries around um mealtime around uh being present like every time you're with your child put the i mean just put it in your pocket you know i mean just don't look at it 
because every time you look at it in front of your child, you're telling your child something. You're modeling something to your child. And what is that, Johnny? So it's, true. It's not us. Right. It's, it's, I'm actually asking. <laughs> no, but, but you're modeling um, this is more important than you are. My phone mm-hmm. is more important. I, yeah, yeah. Um, so we don't want that. And, of course, we, you know, that's not our intention. But that's, again, they're subtle because we're not right. living with intentionality. We're not, we haven't created those boundaries. We haven't even thought about it. I mean, maybe right. you're listening to this and you just even haven't thought about that simple thing. Like put away the phone, put away the device, put away whatever it is in you from having that present right. moment with the human being next to you. So whether that's your child, your spouse, your friend, your coworker. I mean, you, we know how, with the feeling when we're talking mm-hmm. to someone, we're, we're talking, we're having a discussion, and then all of a sudden they look down on their phone, even if it's for a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. We notice that, and it tells right. us something. It says, mm-hmm. it's saying to me, oh, I'm, I'm not important. Right. That's, whatever you're looking at is more important than I am, even if it's for two seconds. So right. please. Put away the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. You are listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. My guest is Melissa Lenard. She's the founder and executive director of the nonprofit Parent Led Academy. Its mission is to equip parents to know themselves better so that they have the healthy social-emotional skills to model them to their kids. She's also one of our expert contributors who shared their knowledge in our new heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones. Please check it out at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. Melissa and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and Parent-Led Academy. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Melissa, why is mastering social-emotional life skills at a very young age for children essential? Oh, my goodness. It's everything. Because then they can handle what life's challenges um, come their way. That's why, Johnny. So Mm -hmm. when they're faced with a bully on that playground, they know exactly what to do. When someone is rude, they know exactly how to react. When a teacher says, um, ask them to do something, that, that they'll do it. That they will make wise decisions um, when they're uh, around their peers. Mm-hmm. But every single day we have to make decisions. Our children have to make decisions. Are we training them? Are we training them with the skills to be able to handle whatever comes their way? And the fact of the matter is, those challenges are becoming much more mature, and we all know mm-hmm. that. Our eight-year-olds are facing things that we never faced when we were eight. Our, um, I mean, it's, in fact, the youngest suicides now um, mm-hmm. have gone down to the age of eight have been as young as the age of eight. How does an eight-year-old know to take his or her own life? Not unless life was so hard, so hard that they just want to end it. Mm -hmm. So, Johnny, yes, these skills are important for us to continue moving on with life and and just to survive, but not only that, but to really live more than just 
a survival mode, but a thriving mode, um, right. one where we're truly fulfilled, but we need to have those skills. Um, so I gave you those examples. Um, even when I was an adult, you know, I wish when I was getting fired uh, from my news director that I had the boldness and the courage to stand up for myself, to say, mm-hmm. you know, I have done this, this, this. I didn't. I just accepted yeah. what they said and walked away and signed the resi- you know, signed the letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mm-hmm. gave me all my benefit for being fired. Um, <laughs> that's all I did. And, you know, to this day, you know, and that, just even the lack of ability to do that, mm-hmm. um, I carried on because then mm-hmm. it happened again, right? And I did mm-hmm. the exact same thing. I got fired again, and I was unable to speak up and speak out. And that mm-hmm. was my, my, my child inside of me that was saying, please, please, please. But I couldn't. I didn't have the capacity because I wasn't taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in and those are my 20s, but even, you know, I, I didn't learn them until I was in my 40s. So, right, um, right. And then I started parent-led as a result. But so it, it's never too late is what I'm saying. And also um, to, to be taught, but also to desire to learn. Mm-hmm. That's, what, mm-hmm. it, that's what it's going to require, a desire to learn. So when my father passed away, I did um, – I had to activate force two because he was in ICU and basically doctors said, okay, it's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. And so at that moment, Johnny, I was forced to activate a skill that I, I didn't know, um, which was courage, um, because I knew, wait, if I don't do it now, I'll never get a chance to do it. Right. Um, and I may regret it. I may regret it. And I didn't want to live with that regret. So that I knew. So he was in ICU. I was alone with him. And I'm going to read to you. It was an article um, mm-hmm. that I, I, I wrote about my father's mm-hmm. passing. But sure. um, this is the part that just uh, is toward the end of the article. Um, As I clutched his swollen hands, I began to tearfully talk about my deepest desire that never came to be a closer relationship with him. So this is, um, this is all italicized because this is what I said to my father. Mm-hmm. Dad, I know you had to work long hours, but I miss seeing you and spending time with you as a kid. I understand that you were only trying to make things better for us. I just wish I knew you better. Those times I would ask you about your past, you'd remain so quiet. When mom died seven years ago, it was as if a big part of you had died also. You withdrew from the people closest to you and began to drift further away. Know that I tried my best to bring happiness back into your life, but it was as if you'd already made a choice. I'm so sorry. One thing I know for sure was how the smiles, hugs, and laughter of your two grandchildren uplifted you every time you were with them. I knew being in their presence brought you joy, even when you didn't say a word. Dad, Forgive me if for anything I might have done or not done, but know that I love you. You'll always be my daddy. And then I continued to write. I cried in the arms of my father that evening. I gently Mm -hmm. stroked his hair with my fingers and wiped my tears with his hands as I sang to him my favorite hymns. 
I wept by his bedside until I could no longer cry, believing he was hearing me. But even if he never did, that moment brought healing to my soul. My father was 71. He passed away the evening of January 10th, the day after my mother's birthday. Thank you for sharing. That's a beautiful sentiment, and it speaks from the heart. Yes. Yes, and that's how we need to live, Johnny. We -hmm. need to live from our hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the truth. We need to live from our truth. But we can't live in our truth when we don't know the truth. And I think that's our mission at Parent-Led Academy is to help parents know their truth, to understand Mm -hmm. and identify, uh, first to identify what that truth is, and then to understand it. Where, why? You know, where is that truth coming from? And there's nothing wrong with any of our truths, no matter how ugly it may seem. It's our truth. But the, the, the desire to change it, especially if it is ugly and if it's a bad habit or if it's just not working for us, mm-hmm. uh, like being able to control our anger, my gosh, that is worth the investment of being able to work through that to live a more fulfilling life. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Um, and that's where we step in. You know, we, we would love to help in any way we can. Um, we provide, if I can, uh, one-on-one soul care coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, we give five sessions. One of them is just a free consult. So you can speak with one of our coaches, um, and our coaches will be able to identify, okay, what, what your goal is, with the sessions, and then you will be able, you as a parent, will be able to decide if this is a, even a good fit. You know, we mm-hmm. don't we don't force ourselves, um, mm-hmm. but the the coaching is free, Johnny, because mm-hmm. we never want finances to be a burden. And therapy mm-hmm. and counseling is it's expensive, and that's why right. other people don't go, um, and and insurance doesn't cover it. So mm-hmm. we. No, this is free. This is why we um, ask for donations so we mm-hmm. can continue this mission of helping people. And then at the mm-hmm. end of each, um, you know, at the end of each of the five sessions, we really mm-hmm. find out, we believe we can help you with something, give us you with something, and then we'll know if to, to move forward because a lot of people need ongoing coaching. And then, right. um, yeah, and that. That's our monthly campaign. It's called Soul Care. And so if people want to donate, um, no matter what it is, whatever amount, but that's where that goes into. And then we also have um, another part of our program is huddles. So that's Mm -hmm. more of group, uh, online group huddles. And we teach a group of parents, um, teachers, whatever, a group of students. And uh, that is more of a group setting. And so what we'd love to start out with is a group huddle. Okay, so maybe it could even be like your, uh, a softball team that just wants to, they feel like, hmm, yeah, we'd love to get coaching in this area. Um, we really need more on, you know, staying, let's say, motivated or enthusiastic mm-hmm. or whatever that might be. Um, we feel like the greatest transition is after we've done a group huddle, we as coaches are able to identify who those people are in that huddle that need one-on-one. 
And then we'll usually reach out and say, you know, I, I've noticed, you know, after the group huddles, and maybe those are one or maybe it's five, it doesn't matter, but we can really identify at that point who needs the one-on-one. And then we'll invite them to a one-on-one, and then then we do some soul care, soul care coaching. So it's, it's a beautiful, mm-hmm. um, so the group huddle as a group, and usually that's less threatening too, if you right. come together as a group and, and talk about your feelings and emotions. Um, but after that group huddle, I guarantee you that you are going to find us, um, find PLA as a safe place. Um, boy, I can trust them. And that's what we want, you know, to give you that opportunity to do that. And then mm-hmm. um, if you want to move on to one-on-one, which in most cases they do, especially when we invite <laughs> them, sometimes they don't have the courage to say, I need, sure. I need this. Um, but we invite them because we know those who really need it. And so, yeah, that's what we're about, is to helping you become the best version of you. Fantastic. That's really wonderful. Please tell us about your work internationally as well in the Philippines. Oh, so grateful you asked. forgot my uh, Filipinos. Yes. Well, we had a donor who actually Mm -hmm. asked us, uh, requested that um, they would like to help people in the Philippines, but they were a U.S. Mm-hmm. donor. And so mm-hmm. I said, well, as a matter of, we have connections <laughs> in the Philippines. So we gathered up these high school students in the Philippines. And if you look at a huddle, a student huddle in the Philippines, high schoolers versus one that we did in the U.S., oh, my goodness, um, you will see definitely a difference in terms mm-hmm. of personality and because we're talking about two different cultures here, two sure. extreme different cultures. But the questions are the same. In other mm-hmm. words, the longing, the, the desires are the same. The, the, we're human beings, you know, and we all have the same desires. And so it just comes out different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we desire to be heard. We desire to, to be loved, to be cared for. Uh, we desire the spotlight. I mean, even though we say, oh, no, I could never do that. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And so we also mm-hmm. help them um, shine so that they can say, yeah, okay. Yeah, I will talk about that in, in front of my group. So <laughs> the, 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 we all need it, Johnny. It doesn't matter if you're in, you know, the, the deserts of the Middle East mm-hmm. or, um, you know, um, in our case, in the Philippines, in my country, or even mm-hmm. in Iceland, you know, <laughs> um, it doesn't matter where you're from. We're all human beings, and we were created uh, with social and emotional skills, and now it's just to activate them in a healthy way. Um, right. So how do we do that so that we can live truly fulfilling lives, not just for ourselves, but for the people around us and, and the people that we meet? You know, that should be our goal as parents, is, is building and developing these skills in our children, not only so that they can be successful, yes, that's just, you know, that's what we all want, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. so that they could be a huge contribution to society. But the only way they're going to do that is if they have those skills. So let us help you help them. Wonderful. That's beautiful. Where can someone go to get more information about you, learn more about Parent-Led Academy programs, and keep up with the latest happenings? 
Absolutely. So just head over to our website, Parent Led Academy, and led is spelled L-E-D, as just it's shorter. Um, so parentledacademy.org. Um, just head over to our website. You can find out more about us. You can sign up for a, a recent parent huddle. Any resources you might be looking for, um, they're all there. And also, just reach out to us if you have a question or if you want to sign up for one-on-one soul care coaching or maybe a huddle. Uh, maybe you don't have a group right now, but you would want to be part of a huddle. We'll put you on a list. And as soon as we have these huddles all set up, we'll include you in them. And we always have parent huddles. So uh, it's just a matter of knowing the date and time. Um, Social media as well, all the social media platforms. um, And email us, mom at parentledacademy.org. Wonderful. What is next for you? Wow. Um, A lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I feel like this is just the beginning. Um, so my bigger vision is to really work with um, organizations mm-hmm. um, because I feel like we can really reach parents uh, faster that way. We can really make uh, a ripple effect that is far-reaching and faster. So organizations that work with parents that want to better engage their parents uh, because uh, maybe they're serving kids, but you, these organizations know without the parent support, you know, we can only do so much. And so, um, and those organizations include even schools and schools who are truly committed to SEL. And we all know that acronym, social emotional learning mm-hmm. um, and developing those skills. So uh, I think that as a founder and executive director is my goal is to reach those organizations uh, in a big way so that we can help in a much faster and more ripple effect um, impact. Um, and so the individual parents that come to us uh, will love them and, and uh, take care of them. But mm-hmm. imagine if we can work with organizations that deal specifically with parents. Whoa. Um, together, partnering with this organization, not just us doing it, but partnering mm-hmm. with them, we can make huge impact, huge impact and faster than if we did it alone. Fantastic. That sounds really good. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Oh, yeah. Um, A recipe for living is to listen. Really listen. Um, And parents, if you can work on listening, wow. I'm I'm telling you now, um, especially (laughs) with your kids. Because think about it. If you're listening and you desire to listen and you're truly listening, you're going to know what question to ask your child. You're going to know what's happening with your child. Mm -hmm. You're going to know how to help your child. Um, So listen. Um, So can I leave uh, leave you with a story? Um, Leave you with a story. All right. So this one is actually, uh, let me see. I'll I'll leave you with a funny one. Um, Mm -hmm. So one of the most humorous things that my five-year-old at the time, she's 24 now, said was, um, was this. But let me just tell you, I was asking them to, uh, her, Lindsay, and Will, to, and they were around five years old. Um, my son was about four. I was asking them to pick up this, pick up that, clean your room, change clothes, all in one breath. And this is what I wrote in a journal. 
to them, uh, Kids Journal, all in one breath as we were headed somewhere out the door. Well, I have this terrible habit of having you, Lindsay, and Will pick up the house as we're leaving to go somewhere. And the reason is, is because I just like coming home to a super messy house knowing I'll have to clean it later. After a brief pause on my part, I surprisingly find you in this stance with a pouty look on your face and your hands on your hips, slow to speak out, Mom, you're just like Cinderella's stepsisters. <laughs> I couldn't help but break into a smile and giggle to myself. You were right. I did sound bossy like Cinderella's stepsisters. The fact you were able to relate the two was so mature and funny at the same time. I was listening to my child um, because that remark told me mm-hmm. something. It told me that mm-hmm. I need to change. <laughs> I need to change the way I yell at them and how bossy I was, right? So right. listen to your child. They're telling you something. Are you listening? <laughs> That's beautiful. Marissa, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in three weeks, Tuesday morning, July 27th. My guest will be Gene Nish. He is the founder and CEO of Eureka Damics. Voted as the best of tutors.com for the last five years, Eureka Damics teaches students using scientifically proven ways and groundbreaking theories in quantum intelligence to increase grades dramatically in as little as 30 days. Gene was also recently awarded as one of the 100 top leaders in education by the Global Forum for Education and Learning. Gene and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and Eurycademics. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Marissa, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thank you, Johnny, for inviting me. And thank you to all your parents who have been listening. And just know this, you are not alone. And things can get better. Just reach out and we're more than willing to help you so that you can have and live the best version of you. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.